back up with you guys next week once we're down at commodity classic start off with a little bit of weather news we had some severe weather outbreaks over the weekend tornadoes and severe winds hit parts of the central united states a barrage of snow and rain is forecasted to hit from the west coast to the great lakes so a lot of similar and different weather strains going throughout the country uh 227,000 u.s homes and businesses are without power as of Monday morning. The half of Michigan is bracing for ice and snow, and the other half is looking for a substantial amount of rain. Outages were reported also in Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, and California, which were hit by some major storms. Those tornadoes, seven of those in Oklahoma, produced 12 injuries coming out of Sunday's severe weather. And two tornadoes were reported in Kansas. Now we've got winter storm warnings remaining in effect for Wisconsin and parts of Minnesota. Freezing rain will move across the area there. Some parts of Wisconsin will see ice buildups that could cause damage to roof lines and power lines. At some point, the ice will turn to snow and another one to two inches of accumulation is set to uh, amass on top of that. Eastern Kansas, Northern Missouri, could see high winds of 30 to 45 miles per hour. Certainly going to be an exciting day on the weather side of things. Also, what was excited was the cash cattle rally. Uh, we are seeing that as cost of feed has gone down about 4%. Cash cattle prices took another step higher last week. Wholesale beef prices are continuing to go against what is usually a non-rally season. Trading was light to moderate, but Cattle in North sold at 164 for live to 260 dressed, two to five dollars higher than last year. A little bit of trade in the South was seen in about the same ranges with a two to three dollar higher premium from the week ahead. Feeder cattle also sold higher, five dollar higher, while calves traded three to eight based upon that strong demand. Obviously, this is coming off of estimates coming out of the cattle on feed report. Weekly slaughter was 618,000 head, down 9,000 head from the previous week, and 33,000 head less than a year ago. But as DTN reports here, the cattle on feed were down 4%. That was feedlot capacities, 1,000 head or more, total 11.7 million head. The inventory was 4% below a year ago. Placements in feedlots during January totaled 1.93 million head. Again, with net placements of 1.87 during January. Uh, a lot of that also comes to the weights that we're seeing in those areas. So Friday, February 1st, when that cattle on feed report came out, uh, obviously triggered the beginning of this. And now as we move forward into the next month, we'll see continued positive trade. But... What else might not be positive is rising interest rates. We expect to see the Fed continue to raise their rates, but calculator came out now asking how many bushels this year are needed to cover interest rate expenses 
compared to the years in the past. The peak of the chart was in 1983. Farmers and ranchers nearly spent 35 cents of every dollar that they earned on interest. The 60-year average is around 15% or nearly 15 cents. The 2022 interest cost came in at 12 cents. So not quite to average, but certainly probably going to climb to that point here in 2023. Farm operating loans skyrocketed, skyrocketed from record lows, obviously, as we saw that happen. The <clears throat> average interest rate now for operating notes is just over 8%, according to this survey. These types of loans saw more than a 100 basis point hike than the previous quarter, so one of the fastest gains in the market. This is the financial equivalent to a yield cut of roughly 2.5 bushels per acre when you're comparing year-over-year -year results. The Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank Vice President and Economist stated that this is not trivial and it is still not yet severe as we've seen times in the past in which things are much more difficult. The increase of interest rates from farm operating notes can create that 2.5 bushel deficit, but we know that America's producers can continue to grow their crops. Even with a 39% increase in interest expenses since 2022, the ratio of interest expense to farm earnings still remains below that 15 cent average that we had just described. So not great news there, but certainly diving down into a little bit of the nitty gritty. The U.S. Department of Ag continues to beef up its efforts to encourage competition in the domestic meat and poultry supply chain. They announced up to $59 million in federal grants to independent processors from Idaho, Virginia, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Maryland. Secretary Tom Vilsack made the announcement and funded and announced the funding of these awards during his trip to Shenandoah Valley Organic LLC's facility in Harrisburg, Virginia. He was alongside other delegates and members of his committee. The uh, group known as Farmer Focus will receive a roughly $3.6 million grant where they had visited. Federal money will help fund $17.8 million expansion project growing poultry processing capacity to nearly 300,000 chickens in a year and will bring nearly 300 new jobs to this part of Northern Virginia where a stop took place. The USDA will administer their funds through the Meat and Poultry Processing Expansion Program, again designed to encourage competition for sustainability and growth in the U.S. meat market. Not for long, America's farmers will have a lot more options for the meat they produce. They will look for increasing demand, Secretary Bill Stack said, around the country and around the world, while making the meat and their rural communities much more available for those to enjoy and enjoy the benefits of. So through investments like that, I'm announcing today the USDA will continue to work with and give farmers a fair chance to compete in the marketplace. So good information coming out of the USDA there. A reminder, the four largest packing companies control 85% of the beef market and roughly 55% of the poultry market. So according to the White House, that is one of the pushes there. The grants that will be offered is $25 million to Idaho Beef Processing Plant Riverbend Meats, $25 million to Prestige Farms of South Carolina to equip its process for $8 million turkey slaughter capacity a year, $3.3 million to CNF Enterprises in South Dakota for their 4,000 head livestock facility, 
and roughly two million to Holly Poultry in Maryland. So good to see that juncture coming to fruition. A couple of major companies are helping young farmers buy farmland. The Kellogg Company, a Michigan-based company, along with Michigan-based retailer Meyer, have partnered with the National Young Farmers Coalition to support young Midwest farmers' growth and advocacy in leadership. The National Young Farmers Coalition, also known as Young Farmers, is a nonprofit that's dedicated to shifting and changing policy to provide equitable resources for the next generation of farmers to uplift their stories and begin their own farm. Funding from the two companies I just mentioned will provide 12 young farmers the opportunity to go through a two-year program in the Midwest. Five from Michigan will attend the two-year Young Farmer Land Agri-Sea Fellowship as part of the 1 million acres for the future of ag campaign that was advocated and funded out of the 2023 Farm Bill. The donated funds will pay for travel as well as meals and educational sessions that the young farmers will participate in, as well as get them a trip to Washington, D.C. to meet with legislatures and share their stories. The fellowship participants will be around 25 Midwest young farmers. They will meet once a month, stay connected, and receive their leadership and advocacy training. They will share their resources then with their communities and help them to continue to grow. Uh, Paige Lindo stated here that land access is the number one challenge for young farmers. The Michigan organizer stated that access to credit is another one, which Kellogg plans to help with as well. So seeing two companies in the food sector coming together to help provide resources to young farmers. But as we look across the latest headlines for today, a kind of quiet Monday, but it looks like eight states are continuing to push for their year-round E15 use to be reviewed in the United States Budget Office. These states will continue to push forward for those ethanol mandates, obviously coming with and in front of a potential spending bill that we will see here. Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wisconsin have made their request to the EPA and sent forward its proposed rule on December 5th. So now what can we see coming next is the potential of waivers. Removing waivers could allow for E15 fuel sales year-round in those states. We'll continue to monitor what those stories bring to our attention. But I would say for today, that looks like all the headlines I have. Hey folks, due to audio difficulties, uh, you get to spend Market Monday with me. So we're going to review the commentary from Todd Holtman, DTN's lead analyst, as markets close today. May corn closed down five and three quarter cents. December corn was down a quarter of a cent. May soybeans closed down six and a half, while November soybeans closed down two cents. May Kansas City wheat was down 18 and a quarter, while Chicago wheat was down 11 and three quarter cents. We did watch the dollar index trade down 55 points today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 126.27. Gold was up, silver was down, copper was up, and crude oil was down. But the main market movers in corn today, so even though we started higher, like I said, May corn closed down. This is the lowest close in over two months and the fourth consecutive losing session. 
the Thursday, Thursday's USDA estimates of higher ending new crop corn stocks may have helped trigger the selling off at old crop prices. Argentina's corn crop continues to struggle with drought and corn production estimate from Buenos Aires. Grain exchange is 41 million metric tons or 1.61 million bushels. That's 6 million metric tons below the USDA's estimate. And according to the USDA, China had a record corn crop of their own last fall, but it was still short 780 million bushels of demand. That's what's keeping China's corn price high as well. May soybeans, like we said, closed down in their fourth consecutive session as well, but it's still holding above the February low of near $15. Soybean prices have been trending gradually higher since harvest, largely supported by the active demand in Argentina's problems that we've been reporting here on the podcast. Both Rosario and Buenos Aires grain exchanges have lowered their soybean production estimates for Argentina more than what the USDA stated. But as with corn, it's fair to wonder if the bullish influence on traders is wearing off, especially if we record record harvests in soybeans from Brazil on the way. We look at that harvest progress. Mato Grosso is 76% finished making progress in spite of wet conditions still in line with where they've been. U.S. export sales have been active thanks to increased purchases from China. Domestic crush has also remained strong as they're showing a conditional and additional bushel bullish supports for soybean prices. Kansas City wheat, like we said, was the largest market mover today, closing down 18 and a quarter cents, the lowest close in a month and closer to the year's low, especially after Kansas received some of this rain over the last weekend, and some high winds and dust storms are going through Texas and southwestern Kansas as well. Southwestern Plains have a chance of snow Thursday, but may not have a lot of precipitation in it, but there are more promising chances in the 14-day forecast. Fundamentally speaking, according to Todd Holtman, it's difficult to explain why old crop prices are near or below their estimate cost of production when U.S. wheat supplies are being estimated at their lowest level of 15 years. He says, technically speaking, wheat prices are trading at levels that should be ripe for finding support on the next side of news. Get a little bit of crop insight there. We apologize for those difficulties, and we will be back again with another Market Monday conversation next Monday. Thanks again for listening to the Ag News Daily Podcast. But for today, we're going to let you go. 